everyone. Welcome to another edition of the My Nights Are Booked podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and today I'm thrilled to share with you an interview that I did with Vanessa Fewings. She's the best-selling author of The Enthrall Sessions, and her book, Enthrall, was just optioned to become a movie at Passion Flicks. And so big, huge passionista welcome to Vanessa, to the Passion Flicks family. And so we thought we would do this little interview to kind of introduce her to people who don't know her writing. And um, there's a little something for everyone in this interview, and I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, if you haven't read her books, um, the Enthrall series is something that it's it's unlike anything that Passionflix has done thus far. And um, there is actually, there are two really sexy alpha male heroes in the book, Cameron and Richard. And then there's Mia, this uh, young woman who finds herself working in a uh, a fetish club in Los Angeles, and she discovers this whole new world. And um, Cameron and Richard introduce her to this world. And there's a lot of twists and turns, but it's it's one of the most beautiful stories. Um, you know, like I said, it's completely different than everything that Passionflix has done thus far, but I think it's going to be something that is a, a great addition to the Passionflix library. And um, so you'll hear Vanessa talk about how she came to the Passionflix family. It's a great story, and I highly, highly recommend that all of you aspiring authors and anyone who's ever thought that, you know, no, it'll never happen to me, listen to her story because it is such a fascinating story and it's so inspiring. Um, so, so we talk a little bit about, you know, how she came to the family, what the series is about. And if you haven't read her books, it's going to be something that will um, benefit and enhance your experience as you read the books for the first time. If you're a longtime Vanessa Fewings fan, then it's going to enhance what you already know. And there's actually a really exciting, exclusive bit of information that she releases in the interview. So definitely you will want to listen in and, um, and listen to what she has to say about what's coming in the Enthrall series. And for my interview with the Vampire Friends, and everybody knows that I'm a huge Anne Rice fan, it turns out that Vanessa is also a huge Anne Rice fan. And so we get into a really deep conversation about our love of Anne Rice and the world that she created. So there's literally something for everyone in this interview. So I'm really excited to share it with you. And again, her book, uh, Enthrall, was just optioned by Passionflix. So that will become a movie at some point in the future. There's already a director and a cinematographer attached to it. And um, But really, it's better to let Vanessa tell the story herself. So without further ado, here is my interview with best-selling author Vanessa Fewings. Today, I am talking with best-selling author Vanessa Fewings. She is the author of the Enthrall series, the Enthrall Sessions. And her, new, her book, Enthrall, was picked up to become a movie for Passionflix. So we're very excited to welcome Vanessa to the Passionflix family. Thank you so much for being here, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here today. Thank you. When I saw that the book was had been optioned, I was so excited because this is something that Passionflix hasn't done before. It's, it's kind of going into a new area. Um, What's it like as an author? I mean, it, how did how did the how did it come about? Did you get a call from Tosca saying this is what's happening? Like, what was that like becoming becoming a passion flicks author? 
Um, well, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of a fun story. Um, I know that you're familiar with the movie 365 Days. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us were watching the trailer and we were like, wow, this is amazing. And I just reached out to the co-director, Barbara Bailawas, on Facebook. It was all, it was kind of fun. And I said, I just want to let you know, I'm super excited about your movie. And then probably a few days later, I thought, maybe a week, I thought, I wonder if she might be interested in looking at my book. Long shot, completely long shot. And so I messaged her about that and, and it, she messaged me back and said, oh my goodness, this is published in Poland. And yes, I'd love to take a look. So my publisher sent it to her, my Polish publisher. And then she read it and we waited a few months and then she reached out to me and said, yes, I love the book and I would love to become attached to it. And then um, basically that's what we did. We went through her agent, Donata in Poland and made it all very official and Bartek came on board, the cinematographer, who's amazing too. And then we, via my wonderful agent, Kimberly Whalen, we offered it to Tosca at Passion Picks. And within, I think, a very short period of time, she came back and said, yes, please, we'd love to. Yeah, so it was, that's kind of how we did it. It was like a reverse engineered way of getting a movie made, I suppose. Well, what a great story. I mean, that is, I mean, that's, that's the dream, right? That you just happen to connect with the right people. And, and, you know, you never know. I mean, that, that you took a shot in the dark and reached out to see if, if there was interest in, in, and it all worked. I mean, what a, that's a fantastic story. And they really are the perfect fit because um, they really understand romance. Passion flicks understand romance. They honor the story. They love the fans. They, they, they're really caring and supportive of the fans. So it felt like the most amazing home. So I'm so incredibly grateful. I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better home. So I'm very grateful, yeah. Oh, I love it, I love it. Now, a lot of people, I mean, obviously when they made the announcement, your fans were going nuts. Yes. Very excited about this and, and it, it makes perfect, I mean, it's, it makes perfect sense because there's nothing like seeing your beloved book becoming a movie you know no matter what the genre is as soon as you know if you find out that the book you love is becoming a live action thing I mean there's there's nothing like it but when it's romance I feel like there's like that connection like all of a sudden it becomes wow the, the, these characters are going to come to life and I'm going to see their love story and and um yeah so I know that that your readers were, were very excited but one of the things I love as a passion flicks fan is that there are every time they announce that they've optioned a movie there are a whole bunch of people who say, well, I haven't read that yet. Let me go read that. Let me become familiar so I can be a fan too. So a lot of the people listening to this podcast, they're going to be, you know, longtime fans of your work. And then there's also going to be some, some newcomers, people who want to get to know you better so that by the time the movie is made, they're going to know everything about you. So let's talk a little bit about Enthrall and what it's about and kind of how you came up with this amazing story, because it, it's, it's got elements that if, if you've read, you know, things like Fifty Shades of Grey or, um, you know, some of the other series out there, you know, you're going to see little elements that, you know, little commonalities that are tied through it, but it's, it's such a brilliant and unique story. So let's, let's just start off with, could you kind of introduce us to the world of Enthrall and the characters in it? Sure. I, before I started writing it, I felt 
like I really wanted to write something that was incredibly sexy. I don't know if I'm allowed to use that word. Oh, of course. Um, I wanted to write something that was very sensual and sexy. And of course, I'd written a vampire series beforehand. And so I really was moving into romance. And I just wanted to write something that was really compelling. And I thought if there are two dominants that are circling this beautiful young woman, how compelling that would be. And really, it was just a love story. Starting off, it was just a love story between Richard and Mia and and Richard's best friend Cameron who who runs the enthrall club which is more of a therapy institute really um that uses very controversial techniques but as we move through the series you see that Cameron is falling for Mia because he's the one that really brings Mia in to save Richard Richard has um this passion for these thrill-seeking adventures because he's he's just kind of given up on life he's very damaged um he's he's really pushing the envelope and, and Cameron thinks that it's time he fell in love fell in love again uh, because he was in love before and so he really kind of nudges Mia towards him and really wants him to be in a relationship with Mia but what happens is Cameron discovers that he's falling in love with Mia himself it's not a love triangle, really. It's more of about how these relationships move and how complex they are and how, you know, the profoundness of, of sacrifice and what you're willing to, to, to risk. And it's, it's like it, there's a lot of different levels to it. So No, I, I love it. <laughs> and I think that's such an interesting an interesting way to to talk about it because there's a lot you know you talk about you know that the, the there's therapy tied to it and for so many people who participate in the lifestyle they do end up learning so much about themselves through the lifestyle and through these things that I think that tends to get lost if you're not familiar enough with the lifestyle and I, and I love how you kind of present it because Cameron is that you know he's a psychiatrist so he's he's practicing and and he's he's very uh thorough in what he does like he's he knows what he's doing but he he's genuinely trying to help his friend and then you know it, also Mia as well yes the, the, there is some history with uh, Carl Jung used similar techniques um on his girlfriend who was very traumatized and it seemed to help her and she went on to flourish unfortunately she ended up um experiencing a very sad end but um so there was some basis from that and also at, out of uh, some institutes they have used some level of spanking therapy and they've they've actually found some benefits from that probably releasing endorphins through the process of uh, pain um so I was trying to weave those elements in, but again, it's not, you know, we, it's not really a, a manual for BDSM. It's really a fantasy. Mm -hmm. So we're just weaving those elements in so that the story feels like it makes sense when they are performing BDSM at those levels. And the second book, Enthrall uh, Her, leads to some very controversial elements but at the same time it's fantasy it's not real um 
So, yeah. And, and I think that's another important thing to note because so much of that, of the lifestyle, the BDSM life, lifestyle is unique to each couple or to each group of participants or each person. So there really isn't a manual. There are things, there are commonalities, but everybody does something different. You know, I mean, that's, that's why there's an expression, you know, that's not my kink or that's, you know, like that's, that's kind of why people say that because it doesn't, it doesn't have to be one size fits all. And, you know, just because Christian Gray does it doesn't mean that Richard Booth is going to do it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, that Mia will go along with it, or maybe she wants something else, you know, some, as you explore things, you discover things that you like or don't like. And, and I think that's, what's so brilliant is that she's going through this exploration throughout the books and learning, you know, what she likes and learning how to speak for herself to say, this is what I want. And this is what I need. And this is what I need you to do for me. So it's very empowering in that sense. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I have actually, I'm friends with a, a dominatrix uh, in Los Angeles. I was living in Los Angeles for many years and became friends with the dominatrix. I and so it's interesting to interview her and ask her about elements of what it is to be a dominatrix. And it was interesting because we had some similarities in that I, I was a registered nurse at the time. I'm working full time as a writer right now, very lucky. Um, but I was working as a nurse and she, we would talk about how in her profession she would have to gain rapport very quickly. And it's the same with a registered nurse or a nursing or in the medical profession. So there are elements of dealing with the human condition, um, digging deep into what people need, being compassionate and kind and supportive through tough times. And so there are kind of those elements that I really wanted to, again, um, put into the books to show that it is a very supportive environment. And, and that's another, I mean, I, you make a great point because there's so many unspoken cues that both professions have to pick up on. Yes. You know, dominatrix has to pay attention to, um, you know, body language, symbol or signals. And so does a nurse. I mean, sometimes you can't express what's wrong or what you're feeling or what's, you know, the thing that hurts or how, you know, what's going on. And so, you know, both, both occupations need to have, you know, they need to be very uh, aware and it's a lot it's a lot harder than I think people realize and I think that's one of the things that you really have done beautifully is that both Cameron and Richard have made it clear that this isn't just a a fantasy this is this is a job but it's also one of the greatest responsibilities that you can have to take you know take control of someone else and do what they need because sometimes it conflicts with what you want yes and I I love writing about Cameron's perspective. He really is, Cameron Cole is the, the favorite character out of the entire series. I mean, I wrote a book recently about Henry, his older brother, and they were like, yes, we love him, but we really love Cameron still. He's a fan favorite. And I love that because I absolutely adore Cameron. And, uh, but he was an interesting character because he's meant to be able to read micro expressions. He's very good at reading body language. He's incredibly smart. And he's able to read so much into moments and sometimes be four or five steps ahead of someone or absolutely guess what they need or sometimes process something within them before they process it themselves. Mm. And 
so it was always wonderful to be around him when I was writing him because I always felt he had the answers and he was always so calm and controlled and uh, he just knew he's the friend that you really want you know the guy that you want really? who, who can can just sometimes verbalize what you are having trouble saying so yeah I can definitely, I mean, I can see it. The, the, the listeners won't, won't be able to see this, but I can see you light up when you're talking about Cameron. And, yeah. um, and it's just, it's funny because when I was thinking about how they would make this book, it's not, it's not, it's not like other passion flicks movies where you have two characters who are so compelling as alphas that you, you know, you're going to form these attachments to both and have attachments to both and be cheering for both but not necessarily in the same way, you know, like this is, you're, you're giving, you're giving people two very likable alpha males to cheer for. Yes. yes. <laughs> they have, you know, Richard. Yes. <laughs> and so it makes it a little complicated, but it's going to be so much fun. I mean, just thinking about how that movie is going to come to life, that makes it so much more intriguing to have, you know, to have this, this play between these two very strong characters who share such an interesting and unique bond between themselves, you know, that they can, they can have these open conversations about Mia and have, you know, basically, you know, interact around her in ways that other characters would probably never be able to. Yes. And they love her very much. They care very much about her. So, you know. Yeah. And, and Mia is such a fascinating character too, because she is, she's young she's been through a lot but she's also she's pretty wise for her for her age and she's you know she's just trying to figure out how to how to ask for what she needs yes and she's she has a very sheltered upbringing that's the way I saw her so that sometimes she can come over as a as naive but it but it's kind of reflects my childhood in many ways where I came from was all very innocent and I was very naive and very trusting and so there's this sense of you you know you you don't see life as being dark or evil or cruel you're very trusting and so I wanted her to reflect that sense of and she's just so pure that it's just so enticing because you just don't see that all the time, you know? So this sense of, that's why I think Cameron's just so enamored with her was that she sees the world through rose tinted glasses all the time. And he's kind of seeing the darker side of the, the universe and she's just like so innocent and so loving and so trusting and, and um, wants to just, giving out love and kindness and friendship so she was very appealing to his nature I think oh absolutely and one of the things for for anyone who's new to your stories that the environment you create this world for these characters to play in and um so Mia comes into the story as uh, as the new secretary at yes. this club called Enthrall and there are so many interesting characters I love kind of the background characters who plays such an important role because she doesn't, she has a sense of what she's, where she's working, but she doesn't fully grasp where she's working. And then there's other places within the story, you know, other, other locations that come into play. Um, could you talk a little bit about how you came up with 
with Enthrall as a location and um, you know some of the other some of the supporting characters who help bring the story to life. The, the, well, with the supporting characters, there's the dominatrixes. There's three dominatrixes: Scarlet, Lottie, and Penny. And so far, I think Scarlet and Lottie have their own books. I'm not sure if Penny will because Penny's married in the series, and she's only <laughs> so she's already pitched. But um, so the other characters come up later on in the series. Um, so there's these wonderful three kind of big sister kind of, and they're dominatrixes. So they have that kind of big sister supportive. Um, they have a lot of integrity. They kind of have that energy. And then um, it's, Enthrall itself really is the main club where the therapy takes place. But then they have the bigger, larger, more kind of palace kind of uh, location, um, which is uh, Chrysalis, which is where they have more kind of parties and functions. And there's more kind of people staying there. Um, there's more kind of... Um, a lot of the submissives are hot housed there, as they say, and then you have the the other things that are going on. So it really was another environment where I could just take these characters and just give them more of a, a larger, more eccentric setting, mm -hmm. um, still contained within the Enthrall series, but just something that was a little, it was larger, because for me, Enthrall is, is a smaller building. And so that it was harder to do more in that one setting, although you could do a lot, but, but I've all of a sudden, and of course, when you start writing a novel, you start writing it and then you go, oh gosh, I'm feeling that this is needed. There's more needed and this isn't gonna work at this club. So I'm gonna need to open a new one <laughs> or have a new one waiting as it were. So, and that's Chrysalis. So there's Enthrall and then Chrysalis, which is the huge manor in Bel Air. I love it. I love it. Where, did you do any research? I mean, you know, you mentioned that you you befriended a dominatrix in this, but did you do any research about fetish clubs and, and how they just kind of exist? Because I think that it's interesting because they do exist. They yes. are there. You don't necessarily know it, but they are there. And sometimes they're right in front of you without actually knowing that they're right in front of you. Yes, I, I think killing kittens, it's, they're not actually killing kittens. It's, it's an interesting name. Um, uh, Killing Kittens is a group, it's run by a, an amazing British woman who um, started this, uh, these environments where people can go and play. And it's, it's all over the world, uh, predominantly in London and America, I think, but I think they also have uh, sessions in, um, in Italy now and again, and of course I think COVID shut those down. So um, I got to know her and I've messaged her a few times and researched them. I've never been to one of those parties, but um, I researched it. And they were, they, there was another club too. And I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't remember the name of it, but there was another club too that was a little darker, a little edgier. Um, Killing Kittens is more about female empowerment. Uh, that's where they're coming from, that the females kind of have a lot of say at these parties. Mm -hmm. that are very flamboyant um <laughs> I kind of did my research with that so yeah and because it really shows um you know when you're talking about the levels and even just the symbolism of you know riding the elevator and you know how the elevator kind of symbolizes you know the rise or the you know depending on it it, it symbolizes like the mindset that a submissive should get yes. into and, and there's so many different elements and I was just I I just remember reading reading the book and thinking this is this is more than just a passing you know oh it's they're into kink or oh they do that I mean this is there's clear intention with everything that you do in the story to kind of help guide Mia through this journey 
Yes, it's interesting too. Sometimes, well, a lot of the time I have readers who will say, I've read the series again and I see new things that I never saw before because there are a lot of little moments like that going into the, the subconscious as you descend the elevator, you're going into the subconscious and it's a form of surrendering, going lower um, into the mind uh, or higher into the mind, depending on where you're going. And so the, there's those little moments that I never want them to kind of be right on the forefront. They have to be very gently place so that the, the reader can enjoy the story and it's not heavy-handed hopefully these little moments these little oh, yeah. treasures hopefully <laughs> and they are and, and and again you know because you have so many books in this series you're able to play on that and bring these characters out and give them even more depth because of this world that you've created and you know it's it's um you know for anyone who doesn't know i mean the story it's not just enthrall. Enthrall is just the beginning, and it it goes through, and and it's it's morphed into kind of this whole world. I mean, did you did you know that you were going to have so many books in the series when you when you started out? No, I I started off writing enthrall, and I had no idea. And it wasn't until I got to the very end, and I thought, oh gosh, this is going to have to be like this. And the only way I can do that, the amount of material it would take to get there. Um, would be another book so I thought oh maybe it's a duet and then of course you get to the end of the second book and you know it's a third book and then once I'd finished the trilogy of Enthrall so it's Enthrall, Enthrall Her and Enthrall Him and now I'm like oh my gosh they had this these all these wonderful readers reaching out to me saying oh my gosh please don't say it's the last one and I thought well I do love these characters so maybe I'll write another one and I wrote Cameron's Control and Cameron's Contract and then, of course, at the end of there, I wanted Richard to have his story. So it's Richard's reign. Um, and then it went not kept going. And then I thought Scarlet, it'd be fun if Scarlet had her say. And then I think the next one is Enthrall. Um, let me think. I think it's Enthrall Climax. We want more Mir and Cameron, please. So, yes, more Mir and Cameron. And then Enthrall. Um, I should turn around that they're, they're behind me on the wall then enthrall um, ecstasy which is Shay's story and enthrall shadows which is Henry's story it's incredible so, so it really was a very organic experience I really was just writing because I love this world I love these characters I did take a break now and again between the last few books to write other books that I thought I would because I wasn't sure if I would continue with the series but then I just kept coming back to them and thinking, I really do want to keep writing these characters because I love them so much and they're so easy to write because I know them. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what I love about that is I can only imagine when you get the screenplay, how that's going to, you know, being able to kind of now take these characters that you love and then envision these lines coming to life and hearing scenes and or seeing scenes and hearing lines and knowing that it's it's coming to life in a whole new way and the door is still open for potentially more books if you needed more books because it that I mean I, I totally understand because I I, I um, there's a, a book that I'd been working on kind of I don't know when it's going to come out I'm kind of it's kind of like the Marvel universe in my head it's like you know there's phase one and phase two and I've been working on this book and I remember I had just had this great conversation about it. This was like two years ago. 
And I had a great conversation with a friend about it, ended up going for a drive. I had to go pay, run some errands. By the time I parked the car, I had the plot for the second book. And I was like, oh, I guess there's going to be a second book. Yeah. By the time I got done doing the errands, there was now a third book. And I was like, oh my God, it's a trilogy. I just, I just went to go get groceries. <laughs> now it's a trilogy. I love that. And it just, it was so organic, but it just, I realized like there, there's so many stories that you could tell. And then as you write, you know, it, one of the things that I've, I've seen so with so many authors is that the secondary characters do become so beloved that you want to know what happens. It's not, it's not hard to pull out Shay's story because Shay has such an important role in, you know, in, in Mia and Cameron's story. And you say, okay, well, of course, you know, of course he's going to have his own story. Of course, Scarlett's going to have her own story. And, and I love that. I mean, it, it's almost, it's almost like you have to think about, you know, as you're writing, like who could have another story, you know, just so you can have it in the back of your mind in case the plot bunnies show up and say, what about this person? What about yeah. that one? You know, you can just keep it going. My readers will say, oh, we think this character is next. And they did that recently and they're right. I'm writing a book right now in the enthrall world. Um, this is an exclusive to you. Uh, so it's a, but it's a kind of a spin-off series, um, but it's within the world, but they'll guess it. They'll guess what it is because I've kind of left some clues in this in, enthrall ecstasy and enthrall shadow so there's clues so they've already said to me they've kind of know what comes next so which is kind of fun and I and I so I'm happy to share that here I'm not going to say the title yet because I'm still settling on the title but, but it is a spin-off series which I'm super excited about oh my god congratulations that's just that's fantastic thank you <laughs> And I can only, like I said, I can only imagine, you know, how, as you're going through this, you know, reliving the experience of the first book, what that might do for future books, because all of a sudden you're back in, in the, back where it started as you go through this creative process to make it into a movie. Yes. I mean, I do feel incredibly grateful. I do. I, I mean, it, the way the, it, the origin started, it sounds like it was all very easy, but um, it, it's all thanks to the amazing Tosca Musk and her amazing team and uh, who are remarkable and they've been so kind to me and so generous and always answering my questions. So I feel like this is just a dream come true. And I couldn't, as I say, I keep saying I'm grateful because it is, you know, for an author to have this happen to them is, you know, the odds stacked against us sometimes. <laughs> so, um, but we have an amazing team with Barbara and Bartek and um, just with Tosca at the helm, I know it's gonna be incredible. It's, and I think, I mean, it, it sounds like a movie in itself, you know, how it came together. And I think that's what makes it so special is that it's, it all, it's just those, those cosmic coincidences that all, you know, the stars aligned and yes, that makes it even more special. So it's, it's just, it, it makes me even more excited to see it. But one of the things in, in, as we were getting this podcast together and, and organizing everything, another cosmic coincidence came up because you and I share a love for Anne Rice and yes. of all the, of all the authors, yes. I think that's just, it's so funny because she's played such an important role in my life personally. And, and, and I've been listening to all of these stories from fans and, and so to hear that she, she's so important to you as well. I mean, I just, I love that. Yes, I have, 
I have a, an interesting story of how I discovered her. I was 14 and I um, had the death of a, a very close, it was the death of my mother. And I went and I, so I was really kind of look, like left my own devices. So I walk up the street, see this, go into the corner shop and see this book. And it's Interview the Vampire. And it's a vampire holding a, holding a candelabra. And I was like, this is it. This is what I need. So I picked it up, this book. I took it home and read it and I fell in love with it. Then I really forgot about the book until years later. I was talking on the phone to my sister and she said, oh, there's a new movie coming out called Interview of the Vampire. And I went, wait, I read that a long time ago. And it's by Anne Rice. Anyway, I was just kind of, my, my, my love for her, my passion for her, writing was kind of relighted and I got in her entire series of books and read one after the other. I was actually working in the British Army at the time. I was serving in Hong Kong. So I was literally reading everything she, she, she wrote, loved the movie when it came out and that was it. And then I just was like, I think that I might be able to write a novel of my own. I want to write a vampire novel. And I started off really in my mid thirties writing vampire novels. So that was my origin story with Anne Rice. So I got to meet her a few times and I, which was uh, the Vampire Ball run by Susie Q, who was her assistant, a long-term assistant and got to meet her and become friends with her. So I really felt like she was a huge influence on my life. So I incredibly grateful to her. It was life changing, just meeting her and reading her work. And so I'm a huge fan, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so funny because I also discovered her when I was 14 wow. and it was and and it's been so, um, I mean, she, her writing just blew my mind in so many, so many ways. And I was always drawn to that outsider, you know, like yeah. I always kind of felt like I was the outsider because I wasn't interested in the same things. I mean, when interview with the vampire came out, I remember thinking when the, the movie came out, only a certain, there were the people who loved Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. So there, you know, the, there were those people who went to the theater, but then there also were the people who loved her work, but it wasn't something that you could really talk about. It wasn't why mainstream, you know, where, where people could, you know, say, oh, I love this book and you had people to talk about. So what I've loved about the recent, you know, the series that's, that's out now is that it's brought so many people together from so many different age groups and parts of the world. I've talked to fans all over, you know, all over the world and they all have the same kind of story about how they've been inspired. And I think there's something just so magical about that because we all have our stories. I mean, I, I majored in history because of her books. I just, I fell in love with history and, and I just thought, you know, I, I love the idea of a vampire who could tell you what it was like in 1532 to tell you what it was like in 1532 because he was there in 1532 yeah. like that like that's so fascinating so it's it's just it just it's always so interesting to hear these stories and and you actually have some Anne Rice memorabilia I do I I I'm very lucky I uh, many years ago my sister also got into reading Anne Rice and we went to New Orleans and we kind of just went kind of a tour of New Orleans where she lived and all of that. I met Susie Q, Pure who um, runs the Vampire Fan Club. She, she was Anne Rice's assistant for many years. But um, yes, uh, they were auctioning off. Anne Rice was auctioning off her dolls and her horses and everything. And 
I, my sister gifted me, which was incredibly generous, two of her dolls, which I obviously have, I treasure. And I think one is Scarlet O'Hara. And also that I, I bought the rocking horse. She had a rocking horse and I just fell in love with it. And I thought I have to have that rocking horse. <laughs> and I just, I was telling you, I was working as a nurse at the time. I walked, worked an extra shift so I could afford the rocking horse. And, she, and Susie shipped that to me and had, have obviously have everything confirming that it wants belong to Anne, which is amazing but it's going to be treasured forever. You know, these are sort of things that will always be in my office and um, just connected to Anne, really. Yeah. And then it, it, it led you to become a vampire author, which yes. I think is so fascinating. Because I, I was reading so, so many of her books, I thought, this is what I want to be. I'm going to be a vampire author. That's, I'm going to be writing vampire fiction. And I wrote The Stonemasters Vampires. That was well before Amazon KDP. Obviously, we're going back many years. It was when um, self-publishing was very different. Um, and I think it was, uh, I, I self-published with Amazon, but it was with um, something space, Crate Space, I think it was. But oh, wow. yeah, I ended up writing four books in the series, uh, uh, Vampire's Rise, Vampire's Reckoning, Bohemian and Dominion. And uh, they kind of went through a couple of publishers initially and I ended up getting the rights back. And now I just do, uh, they're all in KU. So uh, yeah, that was my first series that I really uh, started out on. And then I kind of got to the end of there and I thought I wouldn't mind writing a pure romance. Um, I, I Fifty Shades came out and I loved it so much. And so I kind of went in a different direction and I, I've just been writing pure romance after that really. But there's something, I mean, I, I can definitely, you know, knowing that about you, I can, I can see the elements of her influence in Enthrall. I mean, you definitely yeah. get that sense because we talked a little bit before we uh, started recording the podcast about, you know, how hard it is to cheer for a character like Lestat, who is, yeah. you know, he, he's, yeah. he's, he's not, he's not a good person, but he's also a good person. Like there's, there's, it's it's such a it's so complicated it's it, everything about it is so complicated but that's the beautiful thing about fantasy and and you know romance is you don't you can you can enter that world and it's not real and you can play in it and then you can come out of it and it's you know in that's reality, how that balance in reality it's unacceptable cannot happen in fantasy we can go darker we can play around with ideas and concepts and be comfortable with that but we know that when we're outside of fantasy, when we're in the real world, it's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. There is a line there. But when we are when we are playing with words and stories and characters, we are going to be, you know, very adventurous. Absolutely. The reader wants a page turner. They want something that pushes their boundaries, um, our boundaries, their boundaries, but within a safe environment of a book. And I, you know, it's funny because I saw an interview with um with Sam Reed, who plays Lestat. And he yeah. mentioned that his his costumes were designed to intentionally have kind of a bondage element to kind of tie in that world. And so if you look at the way his costumes have been designed, you see a lot of, of really interesting things that you would probably see someone wearing at Enthrall, which I, I thought was kind of an interesting little, yes. little tidbit. Yeah, actually, funny enough, my husband said that once. He said, I can imagine Cameron wearing something like a long waistcoat, a long coat. Um, he was envisioning that before before this. So you're right. Yeah, that's uh, 
but I have, I absolutely love the series. I think Anne Rice would have loved it. Of course, Christopher Rice's son would know if she would. Um, and I just, I'm just sad that it came out after she passed away. You know, because I think she would, she used to call it the golden age of television, and she would have so loved this. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's and, but you know, it's it's um, I think it's a testament to her and to her work to know that you know, that you were so inspired and look where you are now with all of these books, and all of these series. And, and I was inspired and, yes. and, you know, that, I mean, there's so many people, you hear these stories and it's just, it's, it's just, it's like, she's never really gone because she's, you know, she lives on through all of us, you know, and certainly her son, who's an incredible writer. Um, I had, a, I had the, the good fortune of, of meeting him at Comic-Con one year. He's lovely. And, he we I did an interview with him and, and it was right when the um the sequel to the mummy came out which he wrote with his mom and I said you know it's so interesting to me because I can almost see where you your voice starts and where her voice picks up and like how you and and he was I mean he was intrigued and I said you know it's it, you can really see your mom does you know and was so good at writing the male perspective there was something about her male voice and he was able to write the women so beautifully. And I said, it's so interesting to see you together because I've, you know, I've read their books separately or, you know, and their work separately over the years. So to see them in the same page, I mean, you really see that it's just, it's just a legacy. It's just passed on through her into him and, and it just will keep going. Found legacy. Yes. And we do. We, uh, I mean, I owe everything to her. I do because of her, you know, yes. She's uh, she's just given so much, and she was so good to her fans. She was so generous, and she, you you know at these balls they would allow you to go and talk to her for a few few minutes. And uh, as you say, and, and it's such a you know it really means everything to talk, get the opportunity to talk to Chris or to her, and just say thank you and ask her like little questions about the books and the characters. So yeah, it was uh, it's wonderful, isn't it, that we get to do that? We got to do. Oh that. yeah, yeah. And that's what I love um, and that you're, you will get a chance to see when you get to come to PassionCon and, and meet all of the Passionistas. And I'm sure you've met loads of Passionistas who have been welcoming you to the community. And because yeah. it's, it's just such a wonderful, it, it's rare to have such a wonderful, supportive community of people all over the world who just, they just want to celebrate these stories and these characters and, and the work that you do. So it's um, it's just it's just a magical place to be. I think it really is. And I, when I read a lot of those messages, I'm like, oh my gosh! Thank you for making me feel so welcome. Thank you for your um, encouragement and your enthusiasm for this project. And um, you know, we just we just want to make the best movie for the for the readers for the fans and ha have such a beautiful visual and uh, you know really give them everything that they hope it is going to be so we're going to give it everything could give it everything oh i love it i love it now you, you don't have to you don't have to tell me if you have people in mind unless you want to but as you're as you're going through this are you already thinking of of people that you would like to see play Cameron and, and, and Richard or is it is it too early to yes it's too it's too early I think but I have found a character that I that I think would be good for one of the dominatrixes who's an actress who 
I've got to put her forward to Tasca and see if it's, and, and Barbara and see if that will work. But um, there's there's one one actress who's in our circle who's a professional actress who I think would be a really great fit. Um, and maybe another one too. The dominatrixes, I think, are easy. I think uh, Cameron and Richard. I think that's going to take a little bit of a search. Um, but I love the way Passion Flicks cast and I love the way the authors are included, but at the same time, I'm very respectful. I know that it's down to Tosca and Barbara and I just, you know, so I'm just going to put all my faith in them, but I hope I get to, to be part of the casting process, but also I don't want to be too in the way. I feel like that'd be very cheeky. So I feel like um, I, I've seen Tosca be in, in, and the whole Passion Fix team be very generous to the authors over that. So I just want it to go very smoothly and I want it to be as fun and wonderful for them as it is gonna be for us. You know, we're all very excited, Barbara and Bartek. Uh, we, we, I call us the European team. Um, we're incredibly, incredibly excited. Um, so. Yeah, I think I mentioned that Barbara directed 365 Days. I think I said that. Mm. And Bartek was the cinematographer. And it was the Netflix hit that was just such a phenomenon. And um, so I think we're, we're a great, we're a great addition to Passion Flicks because I think that we have, you know, I think we have, we're just another element, another, another element to Passion Flicks, which is kind of fun. So I feel very lucky for us to, to be doing this, to be on this journey. It's very exciting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on behalf of all of the passionistas out there, I just want to welcome you officially to the fan club and to the, to the, to the club and to the community. And thank you, for Vanessa. Having oh, you are so welcome. You are so welcome. And, and this is just going to be, we, we laughed about this before the recording that this is going to be the first of many conversations because this is a journey that we go on together. So we'll be talking more. And It is and, a journey us it's for a journey for the fans it's it's like a privilege and I think that that's what's wonderful is that we all get to 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 share it and and be involved in it and um that's what makes it special right mm -hmm. that's what makes it so special that you get to share it and and so I know I'm going to talk to you a lot more I'm excited for us to keep stay in touch and just to you know whatever you need and you know it's just we're going to stay in touch and just I'm going to bother you all the time. <laughs> well, I, I will be. <laughs> well, it's like I said, it's, it's a journey and I, it's so much fun to be able to go on this journey together. And, and um, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens. So this is, uh, this is just the starting point and I can't wait for what's coming. So I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast. Oh my goodness, thank you. Thank you. It's, um, it's just been a lovely conversation and yeah, like, it's going to be the, it's the first of many. So this is just, this is not a goodbye. It's just a goodbye for now. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you for having me here. Well, thank you very much. And we will talk soon. Okay. Bye. All right, thank you so much for tuning in to the interview. I really appreciate it. And as always, thank you so much for your support of the podcast. You know I love to bring you all of these interviews and and stories and all of the stuff that we cover on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so. You have no idea how much that means, not only for me, but to help me make the podcast even better. So all of those likes and reviews and subscriptions, it helps more than you could ever know. So thank you so much for your support. 
And uh, yeah, stay tuned. There's lots of exciting stuff coming up, so you don't want to miss it. So until next time, everyone, thank you so much for listening.